0: hey this is jeff hall i'm the associate central ministry leader of worship at life church and you are listening to the practical worship podcast
1: well hey there and welcome to the practical worship podcast i'm dave dolphin and this show was created to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people and we release a new episode On the first Friday of every month. So make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on whatever app that you're using to listen to your podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it that you are here listening today. This is episode four. And while we're all trying to endure the blazing heat of the summer, at least for those of us here in the South, we're going to hear from Jeff Hall. Now he has been a part of the life church story from almost the very beginning here in Oklahoma City. But he currently serves as the associate central ministry leader of worship, and one of the things that he's in charge of is the band members at each and every one of the Life Church campuses. And besides the the day to day of maintaining a pool of musicians to support the worship leaders, when Life Church builds a new campus in a new city, he's the one that recruits and finds those people. Now, I'm pretty plugged into the music scene, at least here in Oklahoma City, and I know. A lot of players all over the city, and pretty much everyone that I know that has had experience playing for one of their campuses has told me just how amazing and infectious their culture is uh, specifically within the worship ministry itself so i had to learn more what could we learn from life church and how they minister to their musicians that we could apply to our own worship and ministries how do we make it more than just a gig. That's the conversation we're going to have and I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. But first, the product of the month is Core Sound Pads. Pads are these uh ambient drony keyboard sounds that you can play in the background when you're leading worship whether you're with a full band or if it's just you and your acoustic or on a piano and the cool thing about pads is that you don't have to worry about the chords as long as you pick the pad that's in the correct key all of those chords are going to fit and it's going to sound really nice with that pad make it nice and lush it's kind of like pads are like the mortar in a brick wall it just fills in the cracks and especially if it's just you and your acoustic you know you could could run tracks and make it sound fuller, but then it feels overproduced and kind of fake and that doesn't work. But even if it's just you and one instrument, adding those pads adds just enough thickness, but it doesn't seem like super over the top. Now, there's a lot of places that will sell you pads and a lot of great options that are out there. The thing I like about Core Sound Pads specifically is that they have their own app as well because in the past, I have used pads, and then once you get them, now you have to figure out how to use these things, whether that you put them into Ableton or you download another app and then you have to put those pads into Dropbox and then link your Dropbox to the app and all these different things. No, you just download their app and then you select the pads that you want, and it's all good to go. It's super easy to set up. You can uh, select your songs, and what pads you wanna use, and what keys they are in, and then when it's time to build the set list, you just grab the songs, and you've already done the decision-making of the different pads that they have. Some of them are dark, some of them are bright, some of them are real big and lush, some of them are small and simple. And if you download the app, all of the pads are available in the key of D, in that app. So you can start testing it out and playing with it and seeing which ones that you like. Is this going to fit your workflow? And then you can either buy the pads directly in the app or you can buy bundles on their website. And then when you go back to the app, they all show up. If you use the promo code practical, you can get 20% off of the order. And that's not just like a one time. Every single time you go to the website and you use that promo code practical, you're going to get 20% For more information, you can check out the link that's in the show notes. You can find links and more information and notes to everything in this episode that you hear by simply going to practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast4. And now, here's my conversation with Jeff Hall. Jeff Hall, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here today. So we connected about, uh, I think it was about uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, You were kind of one of those guys that everyone that I would bump into here in Oklahoma City would talk about. Hey, you know Jeff Hall? Hey, that Jeff Hall guy. Hey, there's this one time, did you ever hear of Jeff Hall? And uh, and so I have this short list of people. It's like, I got to meet these people. And and you just got to find the excuse sometimes. And so when we connected on those videos about a year or so ago... Uh, that seemed like that was that was it, and uh, you're now like what three years in as far as like what you're doing at Life
0: Church? That's correct. Yeah, three years was March uh, first, uh, technically on staff.
1: Because I remember like when we first connected, it seemed like what you were doing as part of the worship ministry, uh, it was kind of a new thing. Like it was new, obviously for you, but it was also pretty new for the worship ministry at Life Church.
0: Yeah, completely. In fact, we. Um, so every ministry if it's a ministry side or a logistics side operations piece, they have a an asset from our central offices where you know our leaders office h r all those normal things that you would think, but we also have leadership positions that provide span of care and direction oversight I know that's not a great word, but um, it's really just a a hand off from content and this is every other ministry whereas worship uh, we're a 22-year-old church now and the worship portion of this central worship as a whole is really only about 4 years now for um, going on 5 years of that so it's a brand it was a brand new thing and in a lot of ways it's still really new so we're working to fill gap and realize, you know, make decisions relative to things and just be an asset. That's really our That's really our really goal is for campuses that run, that they have a support network. Um, since we're in nine states now and 29 physical locations, um, the central team is just strictly there to serve and provide Hispanic care, culture, and vision.
1: What do you think it was that— you know, when they said, hey, Jeff, we want you to do this. What What do you think they saw in you that they were trying to accomplish for their worship ministry?
0: Great question. Um, really, I started subbing at the church in 2001. So the church started in 96, 96 I think that's right. So I just started subbing at the church. And then I started playing full time. I was on a team full time. And... um I think it starts really at the beginning. I was playing on a campus in the South Oklahoma City area, the SO, the South Oklahoma City campus. Um, and there's a bass player that was on our team, and he was going back to school. And we started rotating at that time, which was new for this campus. And we had, we, you know, there were times when a bass player just didn't show up, and we had to you know, record the bass on Saturday and then just play it back on Sunday. And it was miserable, not miserable. That's probably too harsh. It was, it just wasn't fun, you know, or the leader at the time, who's a great friend and my leader today, he was just calling people that he knew. Well, I was plugged into the, to the network of musicians in Oklahoma city. And I, and I just asked him one time, you know, I just said, Hey, can I, can I just help? Can I just do this? I'll manage the schedule for Luke who was the bass player that was on rotation. And then I'll make sure there's a bass player here every week. And he said, sure. So I just took that off his plate. Um, and then for several years we operated that way. And it was a great opportunity. Um, it just, it became not just bass players, but it became really everybody in, at every position. Um, and so when you're friends, when that's what you do, then that, it becomes, it's not just your hobby. It's your, it's it is your hobby, but it's also your livelihood. So those things, there was not a clear line there. So all my friends just happened to be great players, and so I was able to to open some doors, and you know there was opportunity for those guys to come in and play. And um, and everyone kind of said kind of the same thing. That was really professional. But anyway, um, we moved. Um, J T. Merle, who is the central group leader for worship, he. Uh, currently today. Um, he took the role, he took the lead uh, worship role at the Oklahoma City campus where Craig teaches live. Craig Rochelle, the the senior pastor for Life Church. Um, and he asked me to go with him. Um, and he asked two vocalists. I was the only musician he asked to go. And I remember asking him, I said, hey, can can I just ask you a question? And, and this was years later. And I said, why did you ask me to go with you? What was... What was the reason? And he he said Jeff, he said you showed a lot of leadership in just stepping up and trying to help the church have the right person be there at the right time. And I just had to confess in that moment I was like, "Hey, you need to know this. Uh I that's great, but my my <laughs> My goal in that moment was just not to play with scrub musicians. That was that was <laughs> that was it. I
1: think a lot of us have that goal, though. Well,
0: I know, and it, but all I was really trying to do was just say, hey, don't don't put a halo on me just too quick. Yeah. I wanted to play with my friends who happened to be the best players I knew, and so that was it. And he said, well, regardless, you know, you have been instrumental in helping. Point people in the direction and, that are now currently serving and have been a part of Life Church for many, many years. So, um, I think I think my role came out of really just kind of came out of that. I stepped off. There was a few moves when we created Central Worship, or when that was created. JT stepped off the team. I stepped away, and for a year, um, I was playing at another campus trying to help. I built a team over there right before Easter. Um, I mean, really, it was like 18 days before the the Super Bowl of christians right you know uh there was one there was a worship pastor who had just been promoted and there was one like sub guitar player that's all we had and so we had to put a team together last minute so i just kind of you know just kind of started calling in favors and what's funny is the majority of that team is still playing over at the midwest city campus today um they uh and then i also i had an addendum to the thing that i did throughout the week and that was um for the church was just to go ahead and help worship the staff, worship folks, because people, we would hire people from all over the country come into Oklahoma city and they had no network. They couldn't talk to any, they knew no one. So the first thing they did was they, you know, we would meet and I would, I would make sure, Hey, and I wasn't on staff at this point. I was just, I was a contractor, a paid musician, but, um, but I helped those folks kind of fill holes and manage that for, for, you know, the dozen plus campuses that were kind of in the area at the time. So
1: and you you talked even earlier about you know just like you didn't want to play with scrub musicians and part of that's talent but i also think a lot of that is is, is attitude. And there just seemed to be maybe a desire that, I mean, I want to be, if I'm going to play music, I want to do so in an environment that, that I enjoy it and I feel like a greater purpose. And that's like, that was the whole thing that intrigued me about even having this conversation is that I have friends personally that I've watched go from church to church to church that don't necessarily have like a negative uh, you know, experience at whatever church, but it just it seems like it goes next level when they when when they start playing at Life Church, and then I happen to bump into them at a Seven Eleven or at a gig or something like that, and I'm like, hey, how are things going at such and such camp at Life Church? And they just light up, and they just let me just tell you, and I've seen people, you know, just knowing backstories of certain people and things that they were dealing with and wrestling with, and um, you know you know bad careers and you know and divorces and just wrestling with stuff and there there's just something electric about that culture and i know it's not accidental because if there's anything i've learned from life church there's nothing accidental about it all but i just keep hearing these stories over and over that are very that's positive so why do you why do you think that life church is so good at ministering to its musicians that play in the band
0: that's that's a great question. I think the first thing that starts when, um, if we're going to start with just the even just the language of uh, gig, right? So we use that word, and there's some folks out there that um, that really have a hard time with that. And for me, that's just it's a definition. It just you know every job you trade your time for money. If you're a plumber, if you're an electrician, if you're a frame carpenter, any of those roles, when the job is over, then the gig is over, quote-unquote. So we don't run away from that. In fact, I'm fine with that. Um, as a working musician myself, um, outside of church, I, I I like it when the expectation is clear. I read a book a couple years ago called uh, Reality-Based Leadership. I think that Reality-Based Leadership, yeah, by Cy Wakeman, this female author. And one of the many things that I took away from it was— um, There is a gap or problem between coworkers, between subordinates and leaders when there is the lack of one of these three things. If there's a lack of expectation, if there's a lack of the overall goal, and then that individual's role. So goal, role, expectation, those three things set people up for either success or failure. So the very first thing we want to do inside Life Church when I'm talking to a person that I'm recruiting is that I set a very clear expectation. Those questions that you get a you get a back in the day people like leave a voicemail, like on your home machine, right? Yeah. Or um, now it's just a text. They say, Hey, can you play this gig? And so you ask what? The five questions, right? You know, what time? What's the date? Is the rehearsal? What's the attire? And how much does it pay? Those things, those five questions are the questions and some variant of that are the questions that I still ask. But I that first. So the person on the other end says, oh, OK, it it sets you up in a way that says because we, you know, as working players, as people that are listening to this in your mind, you can think like, oh, I remember getting that call at one time and I didn't get the material soon enough or. You know, the dates kept changing or the time changed or they said, oh, yeah, we've got drums here and you show up and it's just, you know, it's a mess. All that stuff. We go to great lengths to limit all that stuff. So the very first touch that you have being a part inside of our culture is just excellence. And we say it that um, excellence honors God and inspires people. So we recognize the inspiration side. If I'm going to ask a player to come and be a part of our organization – I want to make sure that they understand that the thing they're going to step into is going to be excellent. So the ministering side of that piece, I think come is secondary. Now we employ folks. Um, well, the risk requires that we refer the, the term is contractor and that can be kind of cold and, and feel impersonal. Um, But they do sit in between a volunteer and a staff member. So, and all three of those people work and operate and make, really every ministry inside of Life Church work. But the the ability that we're able to kind of minister to folks is that we set up the expectation first, right? We let them know when, where, how much, all those things. Those things are clear and conc- concisely come in and they experience a professional setting where everyone is really expected to show up ready to go. In fact, we don't really even, it's not really even called a rehearsal. It's called a run-through. So when a band shows up on a Sunday morning, They've received Planning Center earlier that week, and their expectation is that they've read the Planning Center, they've listened to the Pro Tools bounce, they know what – hey, well, it says drums on top for two bars at the top of this song. Even though it's not that way on the bounce, the expectation is that you're ready and you go in and do that. You experience all that. Then the cool part is that you're open, right? You're open as a player. You walk in. You're like, I'm not really sure about this church thing. Or maybe you do. Maybe you have a faith background, and you totally buy in, and you see are the undergirding of what life church is. You know, we have a mission statement. That says um, to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Well, you know, the, you've got to take a step in that direction. So our first step is really is really outlining what excellence looks like.
1: I think it's interesting that, like, when you, when you say we want excellence, we want professionalism, I think it's really easy to think to yourself, well, you know, that means that they want it slick, they want it polished. But what I'm hearing you say is that when you, you know, excellence and professionalism is creating an environment that is, you know, even from the, the the musician standpoint is like, I want to be a part of this. And my expectation is clear. I know what people are expecting of me and I know how to prepare and I know how to be successful in what they're asking me to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's super clear. You know, you come in, you learn it like the recording and you come in and you have, um, we also, you know, someone asked me, we launched the campus recently in Omaha and they, and he, and the guitar player is an incredible guitar player. He asked me a question. He said, what will make me more employable? And I was like, you know, A, that posture is the thing that makes you more employable. But we call it humble, hungry, and smart, right? It's referenced from a book that I don't have the title of right now. Um, But humble, hungry, and smart. So those three things are the elements that we are really looking for in players. Um, You know, know, we're going to value – you know, character above competency, you've got to be competent enough. We, we have a water line. We understand what that is and everyone kind of knows. Um, but you know, the, that perspective humble, you know, we all know what that is. You, you're, you either represent yourself as being humble or at some point you will be humbled. That's just, that's just the law of the land. Hungry, you know, not in the sense you're just, your willingness to do what's necessary and go above and beyond. And then smart, it's not intellect. It's just. Hey, it's just your intuition. It's just you're paying attention. Your head's up. Um, you're aware of what's next. But leading these folks, we're the the. I think the important thing that we're able to do is that we've got to we've got to be able to point them to something. Because it, how do we make it more than a gig? Well, if it's just about contractual, you know, payment for services rendered perspective, that's every job anywhere. And you're playing any type of music. How is it more than that? How do we show them that that being a part of Life Church is more than just excellence? Well, we created just a couple years ago, we created an axiom um, for worship. And basically every there, you know, we have these aligning values and all these things that that discuss who we are as a church and why we are that way. Really, we live and lean on the why. Uh, We created these three things to outline, really, um, to create a a margin or a boundary of who we are. And that's that's what all three of these things start with. The very first thing we are is we are worshipers who build worshipers. We say it like this. You can't lead someone to a place that you haven't been. We are worshipers who are building worshipers. That means it's a process; it's an actionable thing, and we are leading um, those folks to that, um, not just through excellence, but through our lives and through our um, our, our you know our interactions with um, people beyond. You know, we have a green room area that we want to make sure that feels good and comfortable for the band. They're going to be there all day; it's a long day. We get that, but we are encouraging folks to get in people's way because here's what happens. Is that when I go to a campus and I look up on stage and I somehow connect with that guitar player, or that drummer, and they happen to be in the lobby when service is let out, I'm going to go find that person and we're just going to have a conversation. Um, and in that conversation, I may ask for prayer from that person. And that person has this incredible opportunity to give back what they're receiving, right, in the form of just um, encouragement encouragement attentiveness. Um, We're going to ask them to just be in people's way in the best way. Um, So we are worshipers who are building worshipers.
1: I think I heard Todd Fields one time say, uh, and he really encouraged me in some training, like get out of the green room And just the opportunities that you can be out there to make those connections. And there's just so much opportunity to pour into, into other people. And honestly, to be able to pour into you, it's so easy to hide in the green room, especially, well, you know, we've got a couple of services and I need to rest and all the things, but.
0: Yeah. I mean, we are there as a means, you know, there's a reason why the music is at the front of the message. And so The the goal, obviously, in this, and for those of you that might be listening that have never been to church or have never uh, participated in a worship service, it's funny that we call worship just music. You know, it's certainly way more than that. But um, is we are preparing, you know, people giving them an opportunity to be ready for God's word that's delivered through that whoever whoever's teaching, uh, whoever's next. So, by being in people's way, we get to honestly see the fruit a lot of times of what has happened in just that short hour's time by just being out there and them coming up and they may you know i mean i've I've had countless interactions with folks over the years that they're gonna want to compliment you and find a way uh to tell you that what you are doing is well is welcomed it's appreciated and it's valuable to them, but in that moment. You have this. I mean, you can't buy this opportunity to ask them how they are, and and you create this relationship over time, just 60 seconds at a time, week after week, Um, and that you lose that opportunity. You lose really the value Um, if you stay in the green room. It's just a gig. Now there are times you're gonna stay in there, and I get that, but if you stay in the green room, you really miss the true. the best part of what you're doing, um, you get to you get to see that and measure that. We have an invitation at the end of every service, and a lot of bands are encouraged to be in the back of the room and see that. As people are – their forever eternity is being changed.
1: I think that's huge too. I think the fact that you encourage people to be back there because it helps them to see – This is more than just a gig. It helps them to see like, okay, you you see how we did these songs and it kind of set up the message. And now here's here's the fruits of that. Not that, you know, that it's that the life change is happening because of us, but through God working through us and through the playing and through the songs or whatever, like they get to see the result of the work that they put in. That's I think that's a that's a huge deal.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing. It it bleeds really into this next thing that says we all three of these axioms start with we are. Um we are pastors who pursue excellence. Um and pastors, so I carry a car that says that I'm recognized in the state, um, that I'm a pastor. Um You can marry and bury. Right, exactly. So but beyond that, we are the carriers of the gospel. We are the hope dealers, as our pastor says. We're carrying this thing inside of us, you know, um, a light on a hill, you know, that perspective. So if you, again, if you're in a place, and that's not just, here's the thing, is that, sure, churches have, it's not these four walls. We are the church, even in this conversation, you know, we're two or more gathered. Um, so my I'm extremely passionate about the perspective of being a pastor because that's the, when we are handing off, Craig talks about this in this, in this. Um, he has a leadership podcast called the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Which is incredible, by the way. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. So I have about a 20 minute commute to work every day and I can kind of start and end one and it's just perfect and it sets up my day. And the thing that he says at the end of it, every time he says, when the leader gets better, everybody gets better. Yep. The perspective on being a pastor pursuing excellence, um, we just start with pastor. We can just hang out there all day. We're pastoring these people in the sense of just being in their way, by not having the answers, but having listening ears. That is the means that someone just needs you to just listen to them. They may not need a solution. If you have one, then fantastic. But a lot of times they just want to know that you care. That's ultimately the thing that, um, that we have the means and the ability to. So the very last thing that we are, we are leaders who follow first. And if I'm honest, that's really the hardest one, right, is submitting to your leaders. Um, Hebrews 13 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this, however, with joy. Um, we— uh, in this culture, the culture we live in, there is not a super great example out there of people submitting. In fact, in a lot of in a lot of ways, submission is seen as a really a negative. It's not seen as a, a benefit. We say in my house all the time that when we obey, we're under God's blessing and His protection. Mm. So obedience. Um, That's my wife. You know, she's amazing. Uh, When we obey, we're under God's blessing and his protection. So the the fact is, is that when we are, again, what are we talking about? How do we make this more than a gig? How do we lead folks to understand that it's more than a gig? We're going to help them understand that we're building worshipers. We're pastors and we are leaders, but we're a following who has been appointed over us. Um, and that you know we're and we're gonna do this with joy. Um, those three defining axioms for worship, what those things do again for uh, with the with the musician, the vocalist, the technical professional um, inside of our role, that allows them the understanding of why this is more than just a seven a m call time. And you make X amount of dollars at the end of the weekend.
1: And I think there's a misconception on money too, in that you know, well, you know, you know, people that play for life church, they feel that way because they get paid, and our church doesn't pay. And and I know you've probably done gigs like this. I know for me, there have been gigs, you know, and I'm using that word gig. There have been places that I've played where I did get paid that I that I felt icky. I felt like I was used. And then there's other situations where I happen to not get paid. I volunteered to play there, and I'll play there again. Uh, City Rescue Mission for me is one of those places, which is a you know kind of an organization for of hope, for, you know, down in the Oklahoma City area, where there are people that are trying to like reestablish their lives after you know some poor choices and. You know, and, you know, and so I'll do that all day because of being a part of something greater than myself and the people that I get to be around and, and, and all that pays, you know, it can be like a really sticky thing. And it's not, it's, it, it's, I think it's actually a whole lot less a part of the equation than we maybe realize.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, we, we a lot years, many years ago. Way before I was ever involved in the church, they made the decision that they want to pay and engage the professional, meaning the person who does this for a portion or the entirety of their living. We want to engage those folks that do that. The reason was is that and, and we see it even today, that the pace that we move at, we don't we don't utilize a midweek rehearsal like I know a lot of churches do to great effect. That's not what we do. Um, and it there's an expectation really set by bringing someone in that is capable of doing that. Now the money portion of it, I mean, we have, you know, we don't pay, you know, I mean, it's not like someone's making a living playing a live church. Um, so we don't call it an honorarium or any of that kind of stuff, which is, it's just like you're getting paid. It's direct deposited into your account. It's very, it's very practical, and pragmatic. The, the aspect of it being more about the money, it, it It certainly is. We all recognize. I mean, I I received great advice years ago by just an incredible friend and mentor here in town. He said, Jeff, don't ever take the gig just for the money or you'll regret it. It can't just be about the money. So if we follow that logic out, um, I wouldn't have guys that are playing in a part of our church. I mean, we have multiple guys that have been playing consistently for 15 plus years. There's many more guys that have been playing for ten plus years, um, and I say guys, men and women that have been really. And it's a long weekend. There's a, the requirement is high. the The piece where we transition away from the money um, is because they recognize they're part of something much greater. Again, is and we're not. We can't force anybody to do this, and, and we're not really. But we are showing them the benefit of being a part of people's lives and what they are part of on even just a global perspective. So it's easy again to sit in the green room at one location and recognize, okay, I'm here, I'm doing my thing, but recognize like Easter of this year, there were 137,000 people that sat inside life church campuses. And we all did the same music at that. And we were all worshiping corporately together to the same God using the same material being led by the same leader. and I mean, if that didn't fire you up, I just, you might. Come on, somebody. You might not have a heartbeat, you know? So um, as far as ways that we might, what what else do we do besides just pay our players? Well, we have a unique thing inside of our culture. It's called backstage pass. And this has been going on for many years. and, And the concept is that we invite our best of the best leader volunteers from all over the country. The red carpet is just fully rolled out for them. And and we're able to love on them in a way that is just incredible. Now, the brakes go on really hardcore when we try to do something like that for a contractor. So really for 20, I don't know, 21 years, 20, yeah, 21 years, we weren't in a spot where we could figure that out.
1: And the reason why the brakes were on it was that there were some IRS stipulations based on that agreement. It wasn't that you didn't or did or didn't want to do it. It's that the IRS was like, in order for this to be this kind of 1099 arrangement, here's what you can and can't do.
0: Correct. There's a very strict guideline relative to the line between contractor and employee. And we're very careful of that line. So for many years, there was just not a way for us to, you know, to do that accurately. Well, last year, we did it, and it was phenomenal. I was thinking maybe 50 or 100 folks would show up. We might have some dinner together. We might – no. It was over 425 people. Wow. All the campuses in Oklahoma, um, Texas, the two locations in uh, Keller, Texas and the Fort Worth campus, they drove up. Wichita and Overland Park, they drove down, and we had just a blowout. We had vendor partners on hand with you know, incredible – Giveaways. We had a, we filled the entire Edmund Auditorium with tables and had a catered meal. Um, Sam Roberts, who is part of the DLT, the Directional Leadership Team, he is over all campuses, and he, uh, along with two other men, Jerry Hurley and Bobby Grunwald, are Craig Rochelle's right hand men. They handle all the altitude relative to their duties and positions inside Life Church, and Sam came. And brought an incredible message. Um, and what we had the opportunity to do was get all these players in the same room. And some of these folks had never, you know, they, they wouldn't have an opportunity to ever really meet um, outside of in a very intentional action. Now, they may know names, you know, i I may know this guy's name, but I've never met him yet. So we, we, we just purposely sat people at you know opposite tables where they didn't really know each other and just encouraged interaction. We had this meal, this incredible word from Sam. And what he did is he brought the same thing. He brought vision and culture. Here is what you're a part of. This is the reason why you – all of you in this room are more special than you know. Because, again, if it's just about me playing on the click, playing the right kick drum pattern, and doing it six times in a row on a Sunday, man, no, 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 no. Hear this. You are this incredible instrument. You personally are this incredible instrument that God is using in a way that this side of heaven you just won't ever know.
1: That's so good. Are you ready for the bonus round? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. We're going to do the bonus round in three, two, one. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. Early riser or night owl?
0: Oh, man. Uh, Night owl.
1: Most musicians are going to say that.
0: Cat or dog? Oh, dog. Do you have a dog? Oh, yeah. How many dogs? One dog. My kids want like ten dogs, but we have one right now.
1: Yeah, I know. I, my my kids are we have in our house, we have these little doggy doors and everyone comes over and they're like, "Hey, that means you need to get a dog." And it's like, "No, it means <laughs> I need I need new doors." Exactly. What is your favorite place to find creative inspiration?
0: Well, it's my studio, the place I'm sitting in right now. It's brand new. It's a just a God's gift. We moved out here last August and I've been renovating and um, it's just a phenomenal space and I'm, I'm really excited to get it up and rolling. Favorite social network. Instagram.
1: First song you play when you sit down at your drum set.
0: Oh, first song um, vultures by John Mayer.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. What's a hidden talent that you have that only a few people know about.
0: I'm a great arm wrestler. Really, yeah. I took so um, workout background. Really, just a you know amateur bodybuilder in my early years, twenties. And I lived with a guy whose dad was a professional or semi-pro arm wrestler. He had the table and the whole bit. And this guy, I mean, I was I weighed about fifty pounds, and he would smoke me every time. And I asked him, and so I just said, I just pleaded with him finally. I was like getting tennis elbow, you know, trying to beat this kid. And he showed me a few tricks. And so, um, so I carry him with him with me today.
1: That's it. That's the bonus round. Good job. That's, that's, that was, that's some good stuff right there. I'm curious, Jeff, if like, you know, you've been with Light Church for, for a couple of years. And and you're kind of in the beginning of even, you know, doing the culture has always been there but as far as like your addition to it and how you're kind of being intentional in the areas of worship if you had to build that from the ground up for whatever reason god called you to a different church or you were giving some advice to someone else like how would you approach that what would be like the first thing that you would tackle and what how would you prioritize so that you could from the from the very beginnings create that for for any church
0: um, I think the I think the thing that is the most valuable thing that we carry is our word. So by that, I mean by getting in front of people. So we launched a campus in Omaha, Nebraska, um, and it opened April 1st on Easter Sunday. And what I had to do in that town was I had to start from complete scratch. And so I'll use that example maybe as the place um, – to say okay so we're bringing this culture to this town but these these elements are the things that I think you could use really anywhere first is you have to just be real and by real I mean not you, not having it all together I think you have to be vulnerable and understand that what is the culture of the area that you're trying to be in so my very first trip I didn't go out with my hand open um Meaning that I wasn't trying to go out there and say, "Hey, I've got this thing for you, and you've got to have it." No, I want to understand where where are we going? What is this town? What is um, musically? What is it about? What's the history? What's the culture of not just worship, but just music in general. And what's funny is that I'm writing a playbook now for our organization that we'll use moving forward. um, As we go into these new cities and new areas of interest, Um, the very first thing I'm doing is I'm identifying. Um, I'm identifying, you know, what is there? What is possible? Um, If you go in, you know, the one horse town kind of mentality, you're going to, you know, you're going to have slim pickings, but if I'm able to, be in this town and notice, okay, there's a college here, or there's these locations that might sustain the possibility of that. The next thing is interaction. So I'm going to just interact with these people and just ask questions about who they are, where they came from, what they do. Um, and that speaks to um, your word being real and true. Um, I don't, again, having your hand open and out all the time. It could come off a little ugly. So I just want to get to know this person. Now, it needs to be understood that, you know, what, what you're doing and why you're doing it. So that needs to be part of the, the, the conversation, but it just needs to come with no strings attached. Um, So the next thing is assuming that someone's interested, the audition process needs to happen. So you're going to, you're going to identify, you're going to interact, you're going to audition. And then we have a, a pretty clear, understanding what our audition process is like. And then we're going to, um, we're going to on-ramp and through that, we're going to set expectations as to here's the why. Here's why we don't have a long rehearsal. Here's why it's important to read all the notes. Here's why it's important to listen to the bounce. Um, And then the last thing is we're deploying, meaning we're going to let those folks come and be a part of serve inside of our, uh, of our place. Once they're, once they're there, Dave, I think the, I think the the ministry opportunity, they understand where they're going. I think if you jump the gun too quickly and try to sell them on this opportunity down the road that takes a little bit of time, I think you need to set a foundation for them to understand really okay, the immediacy of like here's the when, the where, the what to wear, the pay if you're paying. Because I think that this thing can happen in a way that the money piece, yeah, it might You know, I've got guys that are right now in Omaha, they're getting paid very little for the time commitment. I mean, they're showing up at 6 a.m. in the morning to unload two full semi-trailers of production, setting up the stage, and they're not leaving until after 2 p.m. So 6 a.m. to noon, that's six hours. It's an eight-hour day. They're playing two services, and then they're striking. It's called Portable. And it's like boot camp, but it's the boot camp that once you're moved into a building, we've built a, a structure and they're in it, that they long for those days again because the sweat equity that is um, – that's poured out in that time just can't be replaced. And they get closer by um, that – you know the struggle. Craig says it like this, and it's so true. It says the people may be impressed by your strengths, but they are – you draw closer to them or they're drawn closer to you through your – just your intimacy, or your weakness, or your transparency—fill in the blank with whatever you feel like—it's there. But the the ministry aspect, the the ability for them to see what you're a part of, really—it's it's like the fifth gospel, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you. Um, I'm the fifth gospel, you know. The Bible, you know, you see it on the the churches um, outside. Say your life maybe the only gospel someone reads, or the only Bible someone ever reads. Um, our ability to be honest and true and forthright and real—those are the things that I think are the most attractive. The salt, uh, really, what you know, what the New Testament talks about, um, especially interacting with folks. And then they can look to your life; they can see the genuineness of it—not the perfection of it, but the genuineness of it. And then I think that God takes that, and it just—you know—he does his, you know, thing, and it's awesome.
1: Well, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation with Jeff Hall. He's one of the nicest people that I know, and he is so willing – to pour into other people and to serve others and to bring out the best of everybody that is in the room. And even when he beats you at arm wrestling, I bet he's still the nicest guy in the room. And Life Church actually just announced that they are launching two new campuses, one in Rogers, Arkansas, and also another one in Springfield, Missouri. And so if you or someone that you might know uh, live in those areas and might be interested in uh, applying to be a part of the worship team to be a part of this worship culture. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. In fact, links to everything that we have talked about in this episode, you can find at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast. I wanted to share this review of the Practical Worship podcast with you from the fretboard. It says, I found this podcast after benefiting from so many of the Practical Worship YouTube videos. I love that this ministry keeps it simple and practical and that the principles and insights they share can apply to ministries of all sizes. If you're a leader in creative arts ministry or you know someone who is, get this in your life and theirs now, it warms my heart so much to hear that I really appreciate you taking the time to write that. Uh, something that we say on the YouTube channel is that we want to share ideas and tips and practical advice for the everyday worship leader. The average church size in America is under 200 people. So that's what I mean when I say everyday worship leader. Not all of us have big budgets and large volunteer pools, but we should all have a desire to be better than we were the day before, starting with ourselves. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love it if you would consider leaving an honest five-star rating and review on iTunes if this was helpful. Those ratings and reviews tell iTunes to put this show in front of more and more people so it can be helpful to them as well. And to everyone that's already done that, Thank you. The YouTube channel is still on pause. I haven't been releasing uh, weekly updated videos on the channel for the entire month of June. But the good news is is that I do believe that I will be ready to uh, kick back into full gear, if not this month in July, in August. So definitely before the summer is over, we'll be back in the full swing of videos on the YouTube channel. But I did release a new video a few weeks ago about the loneliness that comes with serving in ministry, especially if you're a pastor or if you're on staff at a church. It's a little bit of a different style from me and a little bit more of a serious tone and a vulnerability to it. But my desire was to pull back the curtain and share some of my own struggles in hopes that it would encourage you and any struggles that you might be going through in your own journey. I'm going to put a link to that video in the show notes, and I hope you check it out. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month.
0: a great arm wrestler.